This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Is the Knicks get set to face off against the Utah Jazz, but uh, it is a Saturday, so you know what that means, people. It's time to hit the music. Yes! You know that music. If you listen to the show, it means it's time for What I Learned This Week on TikTok. Now, how this works is, in case you've never heard it before, possibility, I spend way too much time on that TikTok app, but I learn so much interesting but yet useless information. So what am I going to do with this useless information? But it's entertaining at the same time. I use it to uh, see if I can trick the producers of the show. I'll put out four pieces of information. Today it's Julian and Chantel that are in the hot seat. And they have to figure out what is the actual thing that I learned on TikTok, the true fact, and uh, what are and avoid the uh, the things that I've just made up out of my own demented little mind. So uh, Chantel and Julian, uh, do we know? Now, I don't like this pairing because both of you have done well in the past. I like I like at least having one person who's always doing terribly. But I don't know where Jacob is this weekend. So uh, I'm stuck with you two guys, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, I should say. Uh, so who's going first this week? I think Julian's going to go first. All right, Julian, you ready, my friend? I am. I haven't done right. this in a while, but I am. All right. Well, hopefully you're a little rusty. I need, I need as much help as I can get these days. All right, here we go. Number one, um, the Beatles broke up at Disney World. Number two, dogs account for more human deaths in Australia than any other animal. Number three, the largest lighthouse in the U.S. is located in Wyoming. Or number four, the Battle Hymn of the Republic originally was based on a dirty joke. So again, number one, the Beatles broke up at Disney World. Number two, dogs account for more human deaths in Australia than any other animal. Number three, the largest lighthouse in the U.S. is located in Wyoming. Or number four, the Battle Hymn of the Republic was originally based on a dirty joke. Um, from my first hearing of those, I, yeah, I'm going to cross off A and for one and two. One and two. Okay, so those two are out. So you're down to the lighthouse and the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, lighthouse sounds fake, but it could be one of those, like, one of those weird things, things right? So, yeah. Why would there be a lighthouse in Wyoming? Never mind the largest one. And like, out of those two, though, I think the Battle Hymn, the Re- Battle Hymn of the Republic one sounds more plausible. Okay, are you going to lock that one in? Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm feeling good. Yes, no, that is incorrect. No, Julian, thank you, my friend. No, that one's wrong. Yeah, I just uh, I saw that someplace, and uh, it's not it's not even remotely true. Whew, thank goodness. I could not afford to have you uh, knocking these out of the park uh, like you have done in the past. All right, so now you're down to three. Well, maybe three. I don't know. You might want to keep the two crossed off. It's up to you. Uh, But the three are, for the listening audience, you can play at home. Maybe you know the answer. Number one was the Beatles broke up at Disney World. Number two, dogs account for more human deaths in Australia than any other animal. Or number three, the largest lighthouse in the U.S. is located in Wyoming. So on this, I'm just going to go with my gut. Okay. So Wyoming. Gonna be some You're going to go with the lighthouse. Thing. Yeah. Locked in? Yeah, it's locked right. in now. No, that is also incorrect. You have uh, you have wrong, fallen into wrong, the trap. Wrong, I like to call this wrong. the Jacob. The Jacob is you cross off two, and then it turns out one of those two is actually correct. So well, now you're, you're in that there. situation. Yeah. Well, this is uncharted territory. You know, don't like so, being here. Yeah, no, it, it's not a good feeling. Um. 
So, out of the first two that I thought were wildly not true. Right. I'm going to go with the dogs here. The uh, dogs. Yeah. They account for more human deaths in Australia. You hear these stories about Australia's spiders and the snakes. Locked in? Let's do it. No, I'm sorry. That is also incorrect. Actually, it is horses, though. Horses, on average, account for more human deaths in Australia than any other animal. It's not is really the spiders right? or the snakes, although they have some really weird animals there. Yeah, no, the number one was uh, the Beatles broke up at Disney World. John Lennon signed the uh, termination papers while on holiday at Disney World. Oh, interesting. So hmm. that was when uh, that's when it became official. So there you go. Yeah, the Beatles broke up at Disney World. So there's a little thing that you learned today. All right, Chantel. Can't do any worse than uh, Julian has done. <laughs> he is he is he has filled in for Jacob quite admirably. I appreciate that. Yeah. Are, and are I mean, you ready for your chance in the hot seat? I am ready, but um you always give me such good credit for doing this game well, and I'm like the Zach Wilson of what I learned on TikTok. No, that's not true. That's not but true. Well, look, you can't do any worse than... <laughs> and I love Julian, but, you know, 0 for 3. Okay, I'm All right, ready. here we go. I, I think... Um, see, should I go with this one, or should I go with... See, I like these questions better, but I think the other ones might... Yeah, let me go with this, this second one. All right, um, although they have... Ce- I know you're not a big celebrity person... All right, we'll we'll go with the first one. Here we go. Number one, the planet Uranus was originally called Henry. (laughs) Number two, on the TV show Game of Thrones, the Night Watch cloaks were actually made of rugs from Ikea. Number three, according to a Scottish study, cows produce 3% more milk when listening to country music. Or number four, the state vegetable of New Mexico is watermelon. So again, for the uh, planet Uranus was originally called Henry. Number two, the TV show Game of Thrones, the Night Watchmen, their cloaks, their black cloaks were actually made of rugs from Ikea. Number three, according to a Scottish study, cows produce 3% more milk when listening to country music. Or number four, the state vegetable in New Mexico is watermelon. Wow. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, so... Uranus's name was not originally Henry because why wouldn't they keep it as that name? Well, you never know, right? Yeah, we're going to cross that one off. Cross that one off, okay. We don't know. Uh, Cows produce more milk when listening to country music? Was that the... Yeah, that was it. Yep, 3% more milk when listening to country music. That sounds insane. So that one's crossed off. You're crossing them right off. Even Mm -hmm. though we just saw Julian try this strategy and it did not... Yeah. But okay, you're going down the same road. Okay, (laughs) so you are down to two now. Yes. um, I don't know anything about the Game of Thrones and I try hard not to. Okay. Um, Good call there. Yeah. So I'm going to go with watermelon. The The watermelon is the state vegetable of New Mexico. It's not a vegetable. Okay, no, wait. It's not a vegetable, but yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pick the Game of Thrones. I'm going to pick number two. Okay. You're going to lock it in? I'm going to lock it in. Chantel, I'm very upset. Yes, that is correct. Yes, you the costume girl. designer said that the uh, the cloaks were actually just made of rugs from IKEA. They just what whatever they had at the t- time. The state vegetable of um, is it Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the state vegetable is actually watermelon, even though it's watermelon is a fruit. The uh, the Scottish study, the cows actually hate country music. They produ- they produce three percent more milk when listening to music. 
but they uh, produced less with listening to country music and particularly did not like Willie Nelson. <laughs> Look at that. And then the uh, the planet Uranus, it did have another name. Um, it wasn't Henry. Uh, original name. What was the original? It was originally called George after King George. Oh, wow. So there you go. Uh, of England. So, but yes, very good. Very nice job. You go, girl. Absolutely. Don LaGreca knows. All right, so I got one more for you. Hopefully, uh, Chantel doesn't ruin it like the first one. I'll let you guys team up for this one. Uh, they are, the four facts are, one, Tim Burton, the director, came up with the inspiration for Edward Scissorhands after attempting to cut his own hair. Number two, the first advent calendars were filled with pies, not candy. Number three, Britney Spears refuses to have any backup dancers that are Virgos. Or number four, the original name for penicillin was mold juice. So to recap, Tim Burton came up with the inspiration for Edward Scissorhands after attempting to cut his own hair. Number two, the first advent calendars were filled with pies, not candy. Number three, Britney Spears refuses to have any backup dancers that have the astrological sign Virgos. Uh, or number four, the original name for penicillin was Mold Juice. Wow. No Virgos, huh? No Virgos. Get out of here. Beyonce is a Virgo, so I, I think that Maybe there's a little, little rivalry there. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I think me and Julian are going to choose two different ones. Okay, that's a good strategy. Although okay. for Jake, for for Julian, maybe he should uh, stick with you. After so well. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I think penicillin was called mold juice. Okay. Is Julian sticking with you, or is he going somewhere else? I'm gonna go somewhere else. Okay. I'm gonna go with the Tim Burton one. Tim Burton came up with the Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, both locked in. They're both locked in. Well, I can tell you, one of you is correct, and one of you is incorrect. And the form holds, Chantel, a correct answer. Two for two. Yes, the original name for penicillin was mold juice. Uh, I think it was probably a good idea to go with something other than mold juice. Uh, Britney Spears, no, uh, actually there's a report, there was a rumor that uh, Jennifer Lopez does not like any Virgo dancers, I think. I think it was Virgos. It was one astrological sign, I'm not sure what. Uh, The first advent calendars, I just made that up. And Tim Burton, I also just made up. Uh, So that's the inspiration for both of those. And that, my friends, is what I learned on TikTok this week. And now, because of this segment, you have learned it too. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, more of your phone calls. Got to get into some other stuff with the NFL, Super Bowl, everything. Coming up next, the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Very big night the other night with the, the Hall of Fame announcement for Klecko and for, for Revis and the, the offensive and defensive players of the year. So uh, we'll get into that with Connor Rogers at 630. I did want to, before we go back to the phones on, on uh, the Yankees and the Knicks and the Mets and everything else, I did want to touch on the, uh, the comments. Just when you thought that it was clear that the dumbest comments all week would be from Kyrie Irving, Roger Goodell said, hold my beer. I think I got something. Uh, he came out, had his Super Bowl address the other day and uh, said that the officiating in the NFL has never been better. And who are we to disagree? I mean, we sit and watch the games every single week. We think to ourselves when those games are over, man, those officials did a fantastic job. And and it just shows you 
the, what the level of – remember after the AFC and NFC championship game, we're all like, well, the NFL is going to have to do something. These are, the, the officiating is terrible. And then the first chance they get, the commissioner of the league comes out and says, nah, it's never been better. This after an AFC championship game where it had a do-over. They had a do-over. It was like when you were a kid, the ball hit the power line. Up, oh, do-over, do-over. We're having a do-over. I didn't know we had do-overs on the professional level. There's been plenty of times where there's been a play or something has happened. We're like, well, they should have done that. No, you can't have a do-over. This is professional sports. But they had an AFC championship game had a do-over. And the NFC championship game had that play with Devontae Smith that was uh, a blown call there as well. Well, here, look, what the NFL should do, and they never will because they don't even realize that there's a problem, and we're all hypocrites because we'll all yell and scream about how bad the officiating is, and where are we all going to be tomorrow during the Super Bowl? We'll be sitting watching the game. There's, there's no ruling that could happen that could be bad enough to get us to stop watching. But what the NFL should do is they just simply need to simplify the rules. Think about – I was thinking about this today. What other sport – has a designated person for the games to call on to decipher what play just happened. And again, this is not a sport that we're not familiar with. It's not cricket. It's not diving. Uh, it's not that new league where the guys slap each other in the face. Boom! <laughs> What's the ruling on that one? He got slapped in the face. Oh, okay, all right, good. No, I, I mean, we have, we, we sit down, it's our national religion. We, most of us have been sitting and watching these games for however long we've been alive. We've been watching football for 40 years. And, and, and they need a de designated person to explain the rules all season long. It's not like they instituted a, a pitch clock and we don't know how the, that whole thing works just yet. No, no, no. Maybe the fact, like, does baseball, is there ever a baseball broadcast? Usually that would fall to the, the analyst. But the, the NFL rules are so complex and always changing to such a degree. We have to have somebody who is actually a rules official come to the broadcast and explain the rules to us because we don't know what the hell we're watching, even though we're sitting there week after week. I don't think that that's ever happened in a baseball game, certainly not to the same degree or a basketball game. Well, we're not really sure what the rules are here. And we're calling on people every single week to explain them to us. I don't know. That might be a sign that maybe the rules are a little too complex. The second one is replay. Replay has gotten it now that every call has to be right. It, it, that wasn't the intent. It was supposed to fix the egregious calls, like the one in the NFC Championship game. That was an egregious call. And, and with replay, it now is trying to have perfect. There's never been a perfect game where every game, every call of the game was right. And unfortunately, now with gambling being so openly involved, people are going to yell and scream. It's going to be fixed. So even if you were to, I think that they have to kind of redo the entire officiating where it's controlled in one central environment, not on the field where everything is getting replayed all the time. So at least you are fixing most of what you can. But people are always going to be screaming that it's fixed because it can't be that they picked the game wrong, right? It has to be that there's some plot behind the scenes that is screwing them, particularly because they picked on the other team. And now they're, they're, they're fixing it. That's the only reason we could be wrong. But I think that they should go back and, and have it so that the people on the field, they might be in charge of this, you know, something more simple than what – a lower scope of what they are focused on right now 
and allow the cameras to do their work and have people. You're the NFL. You can throw money at the problem where every single game is picked apart and it's out of the view and out of the um, uh, out of the um, the conversation for the average fan. They don't even notice that all these plays are being reviewed. It's just carrying on as it is. But they're not going to do anything with it because they don't have to. And the, the commissioner of the sport just told you how great everything is. It's never been better. It's never been better. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't, I don't get that sense. And I sit there every single week. I'm as big a hypocrite as anybody. I got the Sunday ticket. And I watch all the games. I watch my team. I watch the Jets. I watch the Giants. And every single week there are calls that are like, well, how did you blow that one? Now, there, it is more complex. I'll grant you that. Players are bigger and faster and stronger and all those type of things, and there's more things to call. I mean, you go back and look at highlights of what used to be a catch. I mean, in, in Super Bowls, there'd be a guy, catch the ball hits his hand for a second, he rolls into the end zone, the ball comes flying out, touchdown. <laughs> uh, that's not the case anymore. But according to the commissioner, all you need to know is it's never been better. Fantastic. Good to know. Thumbs up. All right, let's go back to the phones, 1-800-919-ESPN. Dennis is in Jersey. Dennis, what's going on, my friend? Hey, Gordon, how are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? All right, a uh, couple of things. Yankee fan here, excited about the 40-year anniversary of the Dave Vergetti no-hitter. Okay, sure, July 4th. Who can forget? Absolutely. Right. Also, the George Fred Pine Tar incident. Yeah, remember that? was a Sunday. 24th, I remember it well, yep. 1983. But there's one thing I really want to ask, and I don't know who has the answer to this question. Can somebody ask me why Goose Gossage is still barred from Yankee spring training by uh, Brian Cashman? I mean, his uh, Well, I mean, he's been very critical in the past. I mean, Goose is kind of critical about everything. Uh, right. I don't know that that's it. I, I didn't know that he was uh, officially still, barred. According to what it says, yeah, it still says he's barred from Yankee camp. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not Yankee sure. spring training. I don't know why that still is because, uh, I mean, we all know he's a, he, his bark is worse than his bite. But right. you don't bar the guy for what he's saying. You just tell him, hey, cut it out. Don't say it no more. Stop it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know he's upset over Mariano Rivera. and but yeah, It seems like he's upset about a lot of things. Go ahead. Yeah, it seems like he's – I don't know um, what it would be. I know that he – I think he did have some comments about Cashman oh, did he? Uh, or the organization. Uh, but, you know, he kind of uh, – he kind of goes off about everything. It almost seems like any time – it's uh, – you see Goose Gossage's names in the headlines. It's right. – he's ranting and raving about something. Right. Okay. Thanks for the call, sir. Have a good night. All right. All right, Dennis. I mean, you made the call. I appreciate you. You don't appreciate me. I appreciate you. Right back at you, my friend. All right. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. It is the Gordon Damer Show. Coming up, let's talk a little football, talk a little Jets with Connor Rogers. He is next here on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Rogers, you know him from the Jets pre- and post-game show on SNY. He's all about the draft with pro football focus. He's got the Mets pod, too, as if that was not enough. Connor, thanks for uh, popping on with us, man. How's everything going? Everything's good, Gordon. I appreciate you having me. How are you? Uh, good. Everything's good. Well, I mean, you're the perfect person to talk about, especially this week, because it feels like the Jets are the story of the NFL offseason with everything that's going on with them, the quarterback situation, the new offensive coordinator. And then, of course, Thursday night, uh, a big night with Klecko and Revis and Sauce and Wilson. It feels like that night was one of the better nights that the Jets organization has had in a very long time. I would agree with you. I think, number one, it's always special when you have 
both the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year in the same season. That's a pretty special feat that we just don't see often. I love the Saints have done it. I believe it was Lattimore and Kamara, and it was a long time in between that. It's really something that just doesn't happen, and the Jets obviously capitalized on their two top ten picks, and Joe Douglas hit it out of the park getting Sauce Gardner fourth overall, who ultimately could very well be the best player in the entire draft class. And then Garrett Wilson, who was just a star despite their limited uh, quarterback play throughout much of the season. And like you said, I mean, Darrell Revis, a, a no-brainer uh, first ballot kind of guy. And then Klecko with a long, long way. You could see how special it was to him. All of the buzz, which the good thing is, all the buzz around the Jets and the quarterback situation is because a lot of people think this team is really, really close. This coaching staff, this roster, they're a quarterback away as, as they see it. And then the bad news is now you got to go find that guy. And it is the hardest feat to pull off I believe, in all team construction in professional sports and something that's haunted the Jets for a long time. So a fascinating couple of months ahead here for Gang Green. All right, I got the softball question out of the way right away. Uh, so the big one, obviously, <laughs> you already kind of touched on, the quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. What's your read on the situation as we sit here, uh, you know, a couple of a day before the, the Super Bowl? Well, I think it's safe to say they're in the veteran market. We could push away this draft class. That's not something that they're particularly interested in diving in again, especially after how things went with, you know, it's sure with Joe Douglas, he drafted Zach Wilson and this coaching staff has been here uh, during his struggles. But then you have an owner at the top that has witnessed Sam Darnold fail here. And, and before that, it was Gino who's figured it out and Mark Sanchez before that and on and on we go. Significant investments at the quarterback position, three of those four guys, obviously being first-round picks. And they're just I just don't see them having the patience to go through that again with another rookie quarterback. They think they're in a window right now with this roster that they need somebody that can come in and give them you know, a competent option at the position. And the problem is here, Gordon, as the new league year has not started, it's hard to tap into which of those solutions are willing to come play for you and what it's going to cost, not only compensation-wise, if you look at a trade and, and Aaron Rodgers, but cash and cap space-wise, if you're looking at both Rodgers and free agents. So it's, I think it's fascinating that the Saints seem way out in front with their car. I'm not saying that deal's going to get done, but when I was down in Mobile, Alabama, that was something I had heard about uh, that week down there. And at the same time, coincidentally, I had heard that most people in the league don't see Carr as a good fit with the Jets, and I don't know if Carr sees himself as a good fit with the Jets. That question is, uh, is unanswered as it stands right now as he's been at the Saints facility for two days. So that would be an option off the table for the Jets. Obviously, the dream scenario, I think, for many, and in my opinion, the Jets' eyes, is Aaron Rodgers, but you just never know what he's thinking. If he goes on Pat McAfee and says he's going to go spend four days in the darkness before he decides to even play football again. I know he has 110 million reasons why he should, but this is Aaron Rodgers. He's a different cat. If he came out of that and said, you know what, Green Bay doesn't want me, I'm not going to start over somewhere else, that wouldn't absolutely shock me. And that would bring the Jets to the world of Jimmy Garoppolo's, Jacoby Brissett, players of that tier, which is obviously not something I think would overly excite Jet fans, but absolutely a market they would be forced to explore. How much, I mean, obviously you brought up the, the dream scenario is Rodgers. Uh, let's just let us dream here for a little bit. How much would that acquisition change the environment around the Jets? It would change everything. I think the confidence. The, the problem, Gordon, with this team, I thought, last year, even in the middle of the season, was that they didn't have confidence in the quarterback. And they didn't have confidence in the quarterback from an on-field standpoint. 
And it wasn't just that they got out there every Sunday and they were surprised and disappointed that Zach Wilson was struggling. They were going into the game that way because they've seen it in practice all week. And then obviously there was the off the field leadership questions after the loss at New England, where he did not handle a press conference that well, uh, where a lot of the teams, specifically the defense, was not all too happy. So when you wash all that away and look at a guy that's won multiple MVPs, he's won a Super Bowl, no matter what you think of his personality, which is definitely different than your standard quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks to play this game, and he hasn't really had that kind of drop-off as he heads towards age 40 in the coming years. So I think you look at guys like Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, the offensive line. I mean, hell, the defense. The defense on the other side of things, constantly being thrown back on the field, knowing you have Aaron Rodgers under center completely changes your entire attitude where you go from, hey, we have a shot to make the playoffs to, hey, there are expectations for us to be competing with the Bengals, with the Chiefs. And I know that seems so far away for the Jets, but if you go out and get Aaron Rodgers, those are the expectations that are going to be bestowed upon you. So it absolutely flips the script here in New York quite quickly if that happens. Now, we're talking with Connor Rogers, who uh, does uh, Jets pre and post for SNY, but you also are very involved in the draft, scouting players, and one of the criticisms you'll hear from some Jet fans will say, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be 40 years old. He had a drop-off last year, not typical Rodgers numbers. What do you attribute the, the drop in numbers to him last year? Was it his drop in play? Was it the environment? How do you read that? I think it was, it's always a little bit of everything, right? And I really don't put a ton of it on him. Sure, did he miss throws at times? Is he trying to do too much at times? Yeah, sure. But he's still a really, really good player that, I mean, here's the reality where it's in its simplest form, Gordon. They lost to Bonte Adams. They traded him to the Raiders, one of the best wide receivers in the league. And when you watch Green Bay's offense, they didn't have that go-to threat that Aaron Rodgers has trust in time and time again. He started to slowly acclimate it and build it with their second-round rookie and Christian Watson down the stretch. But it wasn't a possession or constantly moving the chains kind of trust. It was a big splash play um, set up between those two where if you look at the Jets, I mean, you could sit here as a guy that just won Offensive Rookie of the Week this, uh, for this season and Garrett Wilson and go, that's a number one wide receiver. That's somebody that's guaranteed 10 to 12 targets every single week. You build up timing. His entire game is carving up the intermediate areas of the field. You know, we know Rodgers loves to throw, too. So I think it really comes down to the talent wasn't as good as it traditionally was. Green Bay had a lot of problems on their offensive line that was injury and talent-related compared to years in the past. They were a team that did not have that go-to guy wide receiver, and the Jets, if they were able to either keep that first-round pick, and we can get into what the trade would cost at some point because it's very complicated, and use that on the offensive line, Rodgers comes into a situation where he has familiarity with the Jets' offensive coordinator and Nathaniel Hackett, somebody he actually likes, which seems to be pretty rare in the coaching world between Aaron Rodgers, an improved offensive line, a running back in Brees Hall that a lot of people think to be a top-five runner of the future, two wide receivers in Moore and Garrett Wilson, and a couple tight ends that could play as well. That seems like a much better situation. It's just a golden question. Does he have any interest in coming to New York? And honestly, nobody knows the answer. We're talking with Connor Rogers here on the Gordon Damer Show. What about the timing of this? Uh, Aaron Rodgers, for all his uh, his attributes, he is he does tend to be a little dramatic, and it seems like he he likes the spotlight on him. If he decides to drag this out, uh, how much of a factor do you think that could be for the Jets, who they kind of have to have an answer sooner rather than later, right? Absolutely, wildly complex, and there, there's a lot of layers to this. Number one the absolute top of this Aaron Rodgers personality or thoughts or decision or what, like you said, Gordon, he's somebody that will drag it out. He 
he's never been a free agent before. When you hear him go on shows like McAfee um, and you hear him talk about other teams, he's talked about the Jets before. I mean, he's a guy that is probably just interested in choosing where he wants to go, and he has all of that power in this trade market because if the Green, if Green Bay gets an offer from somewhere and he doesn't like that option, he will go, I'm retiring, I'm not going there. He is that type of guy. So he essentially has a no-move clause without having a no-move clause and then, number one, he has to decide that he's going to play football again, which is not a lock, but it seems like he could lean that way because of the money that he's owed. And then just the fact that his contract is very complex. If they trade him post-June, which you can't designate it like a cut where it's a post-June cut. You have to actually trade him after June 1st. Then it makes the cap situation kind of easy in a sense, where he's going to hover around $15 million on the cap this year. Yes, there'll be $60 million in cash owed to him, but that's different than actual cap space. And then the cap hit is a little bit higher the following year, but it's nothing crazy. But the timing of the trade right now, if it's a pre-June 1st trade, makes the, makes the financials very, very complex for Green Bay. So that's what everybody can't wrap their head around, is how are they going to be able to trade him before June 1st? Is Aaron Rodgers going to make that decision and demand his way out? And nobody really knows that. So there are so many layers here where when everybody asks me, is Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets? Well, here's a 10-part question of why we don't know the answer and why I'm not quite sure we'll know in the very, very short-term future. All right, let's move on to some other options there because uh, there is a lot to weigh with Rodgers. Let's say that for whatever reason, he stays in Green Bay, he retires. What's plan B for the Jets, do you think? You mentioned that Carr doesn't really seem like a match. I can see why that wouldn't really seem like a match. Where would the Jets go if Aaron Rodgers is off the table? Yeah, if they did tap into the car market, he's somebody that he's going to go get a new contract wherever he goes because he has that leverage. He has a no-trade clause, and he's somebody that to do about $40 million on his deal one year essentially left. I don't think he's going to play on that. I think wherever he goes and why he's been visiting with the Saints is to kind of hammer these details out of, hey, do I like it here? And two, what's my new contract going to look like? He just doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to play with no security on his deal. So Carr is a guy that I think will be playing on a much different kind of deal. Then you have the question, are the Saints going to tra- the Titans going to trade Ryan Tannehill? He's somebody that I think would play on that final year of his deal, essentially. So not an overwhelming amount of uh, risk there with the contract, but a player that's been hurt. He's been up and down. He's better than the general public thinks. I will say that with Ryan Tannehill. Most of it is the lack of talent, drop-off talent in Tennessee when they traded A.J. Brown, and more importantly, staying healthy, which brings you to Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy that's okay at quarterback and would be an upgrade for the Jets, but a guy that – one, does he want to come play for the Jets? They just fired Michael. They moved on from Michael Four, which was the big connection there. And, yes, there's a relationship with Robert Sala. Or does Jimmy G go somewhere like the Raiders, where he has a relationship with Josh McDaniels? Does he even consider, depending on the Dolphins situation with Tua, he has a relationship with Mike McDaniel? Is that an area where he goes as well? Because he, he's somebody that maybe prioritizes or looks at the, the situation in Miami as a place he'd want to be. So the Jets have a lot of these different obstacles. And then once again, you get down to this bottom tier of Jacoby Brissett, who was better than people think last year for Cleveland before they handed the reins back to Deshaun Watson, but still not an above-average option. Gardner Minshew, a little bit of a known, probably a long-term NFL backup when you look at his career, but would you be willing to take that kind of risk? There's all these variables with all these guys. But, Gordon, at the end of the day, when you miss on the number two overall pick in the draft and have to enter this pro market, you're going to be shopping on the clearance rack. And right now it feels like the Jets uh, could possibly be in that aisle if things don't work out with the, you know, the golden option in Rodgers. 
We're talking with Connor Rogers here on uh, the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Um, one quarterback we have not mentioned so far, we mentioned a lot of them, would be Zach Wilson. He is still here. He is the, the former second overall pick in the draft. The Jets have said all the right things. Do you think his presence on the team factors into their decision at all as to who they will go out and get? And in, in that, you know, like they still view uh, Zach Wilson as a possibility down the road. Do you think that that weighs on them at all? They can't function that way. They can't. It, that's how you end up losing your job. If you if you look at that situation and go, well, we need to be delicate with the quarterback situation and we still believe in Zach Wilson and we can't do this because we have him here. If you, unfortunately, if you operate that way, you could really pick the wrong guy and you kind of go one foot in, one foot out. And Joe Douglas can't afford that right now. Robert Sala knows he can't afford that right now. So do I think Zach Wilson will be on the roster? I think there's a good chance. Honestly, he doesn't have any value right now. Joe Douglas is a guy traditionally that does not want to give up on draft picks too early. We saw that with Denzel Mims. Everybody thought he would be traded last summer. didn't happen. We saw it with Mekhi Becton, who's unfortunately been hurt. Um, that didn't happen as well so much to the point that they went to camp with him as a starting tackle and had to pivot to an option you know, on the street in Dwayne Brown, which was kind of a lifeline there, but still an older guy that got hurt. That's what happened. So when you look at it, they just they can't afford that. They have to go into this with – getting their guy. I think the biggest question that everybody has is, say you go out and pay a quarterback, no matter who it is, and we'll throw Rodgers aside. I actually think Rodgers being here is the one veteran that works a little hand-in-hand with Zach Wilson because of their relationship. But somebody else, well, do you trust Zach Wilson to be your number two? Does the locker room ever trust Zach Wilson to be number two? Look at all the teams that have these loads of the playoffs. Teams have to play backup quarterbacks. Quarterbacks get hurt in this league all across every single roster, it feels like, in the NFL. So do you need to bring back Mike White as a reliable number two? And Zach Wilson gets this odd year three redshirt year where you're trying to develop him and reboost his value. It's a very complicated situation, but I don't see them just dumping him off because that's not typically what Joe Douglas does. We're talking with Connor Rogers here on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM. All right, so the Jets pick 14th in the first round. Where would you put the odds of the Jets actually controlling that pick when that pick is on the clock? I actually would put it very highly, honestly, with okay. you. I would put it at 80% because the reason why, it, number one, it, my lack of confidence in a pre-June 1 trade for Rodgers, which could absolutely happen, but even if that did happen, why I don't think it would be that their 13th overall pick in this draft is you need the insurance that Rodgers is going to play for you for two years, not one. And how you get that insurance is you actually make the premium pick of the, two, of the trade the 2024 draft because you can attach conditional terms. So look at it like this, Gordon. Say they trade their second or third round pick this year, so they get to keep their first rounder Mm -hmm. this year and use it to improve the roster. But then 2024 can be a conditional two that becomes a one if Rodgers is on the roster when the new league year begins, something along the lines of that. So the way you you need to – it's basically buying insurance on a mansion. You you need to make sure – that you are insured, that you have this two-year window, and that if he does walk away, because it's Aaron Rodgers, very unpredictable after one year, that instead of it being a first-round pick, it only costs you a day-two pick. So I actually think they're going to be picking 13th all said and done with this draft. All right, so I got, a, I got it wrong right off the bat. I said 14th. You're right with 13th. Yeah. Um, all right, so we got 75 days until the NFL draft. Uh, I can't let you go without getting some thoughts on that as well. It seems like the last few years – by the time we got to the draft, it was pretty it was pretty locked in at the top. This year, 
feels much more fluid, much more flexible with the Bears having that first pick. Is this year much more of a seller's market at the top? It absolutely is. The Bears are going to have an auction for that, that pick. I'm sure they'd love to take Jalen Carter and get him no matter what. Or maybe they do. Maybe they swap with Houston. They go to two. They get a little capital in return. They still get their player in Jalen Carter at the number two overall slot. But they could also be more creative than that. Are the Colts going to call to move up from four? I would imagine they, they think about that. There's other teams, whether it's the Raiders, the Falcons, the Panthers, all these different teams that can move up. I mean, what if the Texans put together a package where instead of number two to come up to one, they trade their 12th overall pick, which they got from the Browns in the Watson trade, and a ton of future capital, and we have a draft where the Texans pick number one and number two in the D'Amico Ryan's era. So the Bears are absolutely going to auction that pick, essentially because they have to. It's just a matter of how high can the price get. Somebody will pay it to come up to get one of the quarterbacks. All right, so for, you know, the typical NFL fan who's not locked in on the draft during the college football season but loves the draft when it rolls around, who's the guy for us who we don't even know exists really right now, but by the time the draft rolls around, everybody's going to be yelling and shouting and teams are going to be maneuvering to get? Who's going to be the buzzworthy guy, you think, this year in the first round? Oh, man. Well, I think the one that people, the general public's not familiar with yet, I think draft fans are, but the general NFL fan might not be familiar with yet, is Devon Witherspoon, the corner out of Illinois. He's somebody that, you know, just was dominant this year. He was the best corner in the country. He's one of the best defensive players in the country. Everybody knew coming into the year that Will Anderson, the pass rusher from Alabama, about Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia. Those guys had to come back because they couldn't declare. They were too young. They had great seasons. Georgia wins the natty. Will Anderson's very good at this is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.